Hey guys! Welcome to another episode of Pew Time with Tony and Jackie. Man, this week kind of flew by. I'm not gonna lie. It did. This is one of the few Sundays that we didn't spend together because you had to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, not maybe my best. What? I uh, I missed your mom the fuck out of this house. You did. <laughs> so proud. Yeah. Well, I had to Hashtag get a lot of domesticated. <laughs> I had to get a lot of stuff caught up with you being hurt and working a bunch, and then you working a bunch while not being as hurt. It's been crazy. So I didn't shoot this weekend. Yeah, it's been a very it's been a very exhausting two weeks. Yeah. That's for sure. And thank you for very much taking care of me, like every single day. And I will tell everybody that's listening: no, no ammo has been loaded, but she's feeling better, so it will be loaded soon. All right. <laughs> so well, first up with the whoa, whoa, gun news whoa, 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 whoa. what you pumping the brakes on me boy whoa whoa did you do anything fun on a sunday at work that you haven't worked in yeah i haven't a worked a sunday in a long time um i wish i was working behind the gun counter but unfortunately i was cashiering so i got to talk to a few people uh one of my regulars came in who's like on this crazy revolver spree. So he was buzzing around and everyone's like, Jackie, what about this one? Do you think you'll like this one? I'm like, yes, he would like this one. So it was fun because I still got to interact with the customers I would normally interact with, but be tied to the register. Yeah. So it was a fun and interesting day. Um, Sundays, Saturdays, they're always busy. So the last two days have been crazy. How about you? Anything fun? Uh, aside from... Cleaning the house. Cleaning. <laughs> uh, I did work on some new shirt designs. Speaking of shirt designs, thank you guys so much for all of the love and support on the AF t-shirts. Oh, yeah. And we also released the Mother's Day special, which is only here for a limited time. It will be gone in just a few weeks. It's the Don't Buck With Mom shirt. Yes. And we've gotten some orders on that as well. So... Thank you all so much. Yeah, we really appreciate it, guys. It means a lot, and I'm just happy to know that you guys like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got some new shirt designs coming. I've been working on it. I've been sharpening my designing skills and... Editing skills. Yes. Spent a lot of time on the couch with an iPad watching Drive to Survive. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was a good Sunday, is what you're saying? Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. It was relaxing. Good. Um, are right. we allowed to go into the gun news? Yes, now, now we can go into the gun news. <laughs> gun news. Uh, so, Federal has a new round out for the 22 long rifle called the Punch. It is a self defense round, 29 grain nickel plated lead core, supposed to reach. A 1,070 foot per second out of a 2-inch barrel, which is insane. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I, like, I'm so intrigued to shoot that round. Like, would it feel as poppy as a 22 mag? I think it's going to feel more like a stinger. It, it would feel like if 22 had a plus P round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been... So I talked to somebody about this, and there's been a trend 
I've been selling a lot of twenty-two concealed carry guns. Mm-hmm. Especially with all the new shooters. That, one, they may not like guns at all. Mm-hmm. And they don't feel that they can handle anything else. But they just want something to protect themselves in the current climate. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many of those Ruger LCP2s. Yeah. In 22s that I've sold. Yeah. And, in all honesty... You have that little pocket gun. It holds 10. Right. And if it can hold 10 of these punches, that could be pretty formidable. Yeah. And according to Federal, they designed it this way because they were doing studies, not so much expansion for 22, but they wanted more penetration. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think they got it, especially 1070 out of a 2-inch barrel. I wonder what that would do out of like an M&P 15-22 pistol. Oh, yeah. It's got like a seven and a half inch barrel. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... That would, that would be Pack going... some punch? Haha, <laughs> that's funny. I love you so much more when you pun. <laughs> so, oh, speaking of federal, federal obviously owns Remington or the group that owns everybody. Right. Owns the Remington factory and it's up and running. They're like Disney. Yeah. <laughs> So hopefully that means that some ammo will become more readily available. I don't think it's going to be overnight success like everybody thinks. Yeah. I'm I'm estimating it'll be six months if I had to say, like, you know, catching up on previous orders and, you know, six to six to eight months is what I would, if what I would guess that it's going to take them. I mean, that doesn't mean they're going to catch up on their orders. That's when we're going to start seeing stuff with Remington's name on the shelves. Yeah. Now... I will say, I have seen a trend of some ammo prices going down. Mm-hmm. So, that's a good thing. Yep. Um, like I said last episode, the fact that pretty much confirmed that distributors, some distributors out there, are more the culprit than anything. Right. So, hopefully once there's more supply out there at the distributors that aren't screwing people over that the people that have the ammo that are screwing people over will realize that they can't sell it for that high price anymore and it's got to be brought down. Not to mention the guys that are jacking them up insanely like that right now that have been screwing over all the shops that now either can't mark them up at all or very much without passing that screwing over to their customers or other people that are ordering from them it is, it's opening people's eyes as to who you should be doing business with. Yep. And when stuff returns back to normal and everyone else has got the same ammo for the same price, don't buy ammo from the guys that screwed you over in 2020. Yep. Uh, let's see. Kimber's factory is moving to Alabama. Yee! It's been, I mean, they've been talking about it since, I want to say the end of 2019, I think, is when they first announced it. Um, So the move is still in the process. Um, We actually got an email from Kimber. Uh, We have, I mean, like four, a four-page printout of all of the guns and the quantities of them that we have on order from them currently. 
and they sent us a response email with all of those guns listed, and out of all four pages, I think they had about eight to ten models that were highlighted in the response, those eight to ten are the ones that they are focusing their production on. Everything else, all of, you know, the sapphires and the rapides, and they're not focusing on production on those. They are putting out their bread and butter, their, you know, stainless two, their pro carry two, their yeah. ultra carry two, uh, two of the micro nine models. Only two are on their, on their production line. Um, they're still on their product line, so you'll still see them on their website. You'll still see them, you know, dealers are still going to take orders for them if you, if you're pre-ordering, but they are giving dealers an estimated 12 month turnaround on anything that's not highlighted on that list. Wow. Like I said, that it was like when you're looking through four pages of stuff and there's only eight to 10 things that are marked as this is what we're pump, we're pumping out right now. It is like jaw dropping. Yeah. Um, also, um, all of the Kimbers, which is not very many to to you know to speak of, we got in a couple micro nines in. I think we got like a, two stainless and a pro carry in recently, and one ultra carry. So not very much, and that's all been in the last like month or two. So minimal, maybe five guns. Um, of those, they are all still stamped Yonkers. So I know that they're working on the factory build out and I don't know if their full move is done yet, but they're not pumping guns out of Alabama yet. Um, I think once that is up and running, they're really going to be able to rock out those back orders. But also I wonder if they're going to keep both factories running until they catch up. Mm. double up on everything have one you know um the revolvers i've heard speculation that the revolvers may still be made in yonkers um just strictly the revolvers just to you know keep them cranked out hmm. um and then put out their 1911 you know or micro nines micro 380s all their semi-autos from alabama at least until um they're caught up on their orders. I mean, which would be smart. Cause I mean, if you have two factories and you're behind, use them, yeah. you know, catch up on your stuff and then say goodbye to New York, New York, New York, not, not New York, New York. It's Yonkers, New York. I was just <laughs> singing. Um, but yeah, that would be, it's an interesting theory. So I don't know if they're going to do that. It'd be very smart if they did though. Yeah. But on the other hand, that's, now you got to have either employees split or double the employees. and I don't know. There's a lot of other things in there that... Well, I'm sure they don't have all of their employees working right now with the COVID restrictions and you know, right. limiting space and all that I don't other even know stuff. If I don't even know if New York is open at all. Yeah, I know. I know um, people were concerned that that's why we weren't seeing Kimbers for a while because they were shut down. They had already pulled production... And talked about the move prior to COVID because they talked about it in the end of 2019. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at at least four months, three months before the state did get shut down, is when they decided that they were going to be getting out of the state. So it wasn't, yeah. One of my customers asked me, like, yeah, it's because the state of New York got shut down. That's why they're moving to Alabama. I'm like, well, I mean, 
they couldn't have predicted that in the end of 2019 when they announced they were moving, but... Or could they have? Right, maybe they did. <laughs> maybe they knew. So I read a really cool article, and I forgot to write down where I read it. Um, I find feats of shooting like this pretty freaking amazing. It's pretty cool. Uh, this guy goes by the name of Chamber Break. Which Jackie, for the life of her, can't say. I keep saying Chamber Blake. <laughs> uh, this gentleman's legal name is Aaron... I'm going to say Maesi, maybe? Measy. Measy? Mm-hmm. I would say Measy. That's my vote. M-I-E-S-S-E. He is an ELR shooter, which is like precision rifle shooting, except extreme long-range shooting. Right. So, like, and we'll better. Get, yeah. We'll get to the extreme part in a second. Uh, this guy is clearly no slouch with a rifle. He's done 10 for 10 at on a 10-inch circle with a 308 at 901 yards. Impressive. Yep. 8 to 10-inch groups at 540 yards with a 22 long rifle. Holy shit. Was it the, the punch ammo? <laughs> I'm joking. It was a joke. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, clearly the guy knows how to work a rifle. Well, his latest feat was at a 52-inch target at 5,280-ish yards. That's 53 football fields. That's crazy. It's three miles. Wow. Three miles. And what was that shot with? So he shot that out of a... Vestal's custom rifle, chambered in 416 Barrett match. Never even heard of that. And that was built on a Cadex defense action. This thing, first of all, the rifle's as tall as this guy. Now, if you think about it, to do just some simple math, say it's 5,300 yards. It was a, you know, 52-inch target. That means equivalent-wise, of course, not taking into account wind and everything else shooting that distance. A one-inch target at 100 yards. There you go. Holy crap. Yep. Bonkers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. So, not only did he make this shot, apparently this rifle is so badass, him and three other shooters sitting atop a Chevy Suburban made this shot. This episode is not sponsored by Chevy, <laughs> although we are open to opportunities. <laughs> but the reason Chamber Break is so cool and is such a standout, this dude doesn't have arms. Arms like guns or arms like... No arms. Wow. Zero. Not there. So does he... I imagine he shoots with his feet then. He pulled the trigger with his toe. No shit. His toe. I feel like I need to up my game on accuracy. <laughs> right? <laughs> Apparently, uh, it was an accident when he was five. It was an auger accident. Mm. And he has not let it stop him. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this was crazy. So the hang time for his shot was 12.6 seconds. 
That's airtime from gun to target? Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine the anxiety once you pull the trigger? Just boom! Waiting, waiting. Unscrew your water bottle, take a sip. Well, actually, if you, back so on. if you did it, right? Roughly 12 and a half seconds. So now. Still waiting. Now. To now. What? Right. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I that, just, that is a long time. I was just blown away by that. That's like, I love seeing stuff like that. Like, have, no we reached, have we reached the, no puns from you, <laughs> the rest of the episode. None. <laughs> it's just, have we reached the pinnacle of performance and firearms? Clearly not. Hell no. Because <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we're past 5,000 yards at this point. They just keep on pushing. It's just really cool. I found it super interesting. And, uh, I mean, kudos to him. I don't want to say it's good on you for having no arms, but it's quite, a, mean, quite, a, quite a feat. When you think of... <laughs> Fuck you, Tony. That was rude. <laughs> it's funny as shit, but it was rude. <laughs> no, but seriously, Aaron, congratulations, man. That's awesome. You're such a dick. <laughs> can't tell me he's never heard that before. Oh my god, maybe that's why he did it. He had to do something so extraordinary that someone would say that was such a great feat yeah. and have a, a heart attack laughing over I it. I don't understand why he didn't want his record written instead of yards and feet. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, it was awesome. It was cool. That wasn't why I read the article. I read the article because it was very impressive. And then the, the it just rolled out. Anyway, shooting sports. Jackie's going to collect herself. <laughs> um, no really big matches happened this weekend. Except Max Leah Grandis, Grandis's? Max Leah Grandis's creation of the Practical Two-Gun Championship. It's first year. Sponsored by Cobalt Kinetics. Pretty pretty good turnout, actually. It was, uh... There was a lot of shooters there. Uh, they had three divisions. Competition, PCC, and Practical. What are you looking at? Oh, I was looking at other matches. There oh. was one in Louisiana, but that was... Goodness. Hello, Yzma. Uh, yeah, the Sugar King Classic in Louisiana was the only other one. Next week. Next week, I'm so excited. Can we talk about next week's match? Can we finish this one? Fine. Fine. <laughs> the, only can, because no, of the name. We, no, no, the name. no, no. We're going to finish this one. Anyway, there's three divisions. Competition, PCC, and Practical. Their target was super cool. It was like if you chopped the bottom half of an Ipsic Turtle target and took the top half from a USPSA target and smashed them together. Huh. And instead and of a headbox... And all the targets like that? Yeah. Huh. And cardboard was pistol. Brown side was pistol. Mm -hmm. White side was rifle. So there were no new shoots. 
I was say, that would really screw me up. Nope. Um, and they had their own little head box, so they didn't have the normal A zone, they had what they called the K zone. So you had your normal Alpha, Charlie, Delta, K zone. If you got one K zone hit, it was the same as two Alphas. Is this three gun? Based off of it. Three gun concepts? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But still had, you know, still wanted to get two alpha, so it wasn't two anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I I really wanted to make this match. I just couldn't make it happen. And I hope they have it again next year because I'd like to make it. But the winners, competition division was won by Scott Green. The PCC division was won by Justine Williams. Whoop, whoop. And practical was won by Joe Farewell. So... From everything I've seen, that match was freaking awesome. And I really hope they have it again. And it'll be on the list for next year for sure. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure they will. I mean, this is the inaugural right. match, so... I mean, from the sounds of it, it went well. Yeah. I mean, you even had... <coughs> excuse me, you even had bigger USPSA guys like uh, Wansick show up. Mm-hmm. I think he took fourth in practical, I think? So, yeah, good little uh, special crossover match. Yeah. Speaking of unique matches, um, I didn't get to attend this month, but I talked about it, it was a few podcasts ago. I went to a shotgun-only match. Mm-hmm. That same range held it again, and they're holding one next month. It's fairly, it's a fairly basic concept. There's Clay. There's steel. That's it. Sometimes there's paper for slugs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's really big steel at really far distances for slugs. Mm-hmm. And there's flippers. So it's it's a good match. If, you, if you're looking to bring something different to your range, because everybody's like, oh, pistol ammo is so hard to find right now. Shotgun is not super easy to find either. Right. But it is a little easier than pistol. Mm-hmm. See if you can start this up. It the, when I went, it was a blast, and it seemed everybody had a great time this year or this month. Yeah, the one you went to wasn't that with the one where it was like deathly cold and super windy, and all yes. the barrels kept getting blown over. And I still had a blast. <laughs> Stop it. Okay, fine. But just an idea for you out there if you're looking to expand or. Fill some blank weekends that you have on the schedule for your range. That might be something you want to try. Yeah. Give a little spin on it. Shotgun primers are easier to find than pistol primers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and probably not outrageously priced. Um, we did get some questions in this week. Yes. Some good ones. Yes. Uh, first one. Best budget production gun. Ooh. Mechanic. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Why? Because it's a good budget gun that's legal in production. Is that a trick question? <laughs> okay, fine. Um, they got nice triggers. You go with the TP9 SFX. It's ready to go for competition. Get a high-capacity magazine. 
Yeah, they have what the 18 flush 20 extended so you'd use the 18 flush in it which obviously for production doesn't matter because you can only use 10 whatever but it's got a big ass grip on it it's got a nice deep hold for the beaver tail at the back so you can get close into the trigger smooth on the action the triggers phenomenal I'm sure I mentioned that already I think it was the first thing I said I'm gonna say it again because it's worth mentioning twice I don't know I would I agree, the Canic is up there. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have crazy aftermarket support, if that's something that is of importance to you. Uh, one thing to note... Budget production gun would probably ensue that you aren't planning on spending more money on upgrades. That's just how I'm seeing it. No. That's why I'm focusing on something that comes ready out of the box with nice features. But it's not ready out of the box. This is what people fail to realize. That gun does not fit in a production box with those plus two mag plates on it. Sentry Arms will not send you flush fit mag plates. So you essentially have two useless magazines. Unless you buy an aftermarket base plate somewhere. <sighs> Wake me up when you're done being logical. <laughs> Stuff you have to know. <laughs> I will give Canic... Canic credit their magazines are not ludicrously expensive mm -hmm. so you can get the 18s you can get base pads for the other two mags they do have nice triggers um i would put up there as well as if even a new one uh glock 34 mags are still inexpensive i think 38 bucks for brand new mags um you can find used things everywhere for that gun that's true uh, I would put the Smith M&P, for me, out of the box. That's probably one of the best guns. Especially the 2.0. You really don't have to put a trigger in there if you don't want to. Most people go, oh, I don't like the hinge. Shut up and shoot the gun. <laughs> it shoots great. Yeah. And their mags are not uh, crazy expensive. I think they're 42 bucks, 43 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, out of those three, I think those three make it to the top of the list for me. Canic wins price-wise. Yeah. The Smith is not much more than a Canic. That's true. The Glock, eh, it's up there. You yeah. could get away the with a 17. The 34 is going to be up there, but the 17 is more affordable yeah. as far as budget guns go. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I'm not saying a SIG 320 is the magazine prices. Yeah. Even a standard 17-round mag for a 320 is over 50 bucks. Yeah. Like, it may not sound like a lot, but if you're talking budget, like, and it's specifically asked for production, yeah, you're talking, what, minimum six mags? Yeah, five in the pouch, one extra. Yeah, those come with two, so yeah. you're going to need four more mags, so. Yeah, where the Glock and the M&P will come with three each. Right. Canic comes with two, I believe. Two, yeah, two 20-rounders. Yeah. So, yeah, out of those three, um, I still, if I had to choose one for the best, it would be the M&P. I just think it's better. I don't like the way the Canic feels. I do. And the aftermarket support is... It would go Glock, M&P, Canic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but whoever asked that question, uh, buy whatever you can afford and get to a match. Right. <laughs> Even if it's an SD9. Yeah. Maybe just buy the Canic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you... What does that say? 
Oh, do you... Do you think breaks from training are oh. important? You can't read? Can't. <laughs> can't. Do you? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, even, you know, high-performing athletes, you know, they take time off from training. You know, basketball, football, you know, whatever. You know, Olympic athletes, it, you know, you need, like, a mental and physical break from training yep. for your own sanity I would agree and uh, to me it's not just the big breaks either like you know hey I have an off season yeah but I take little breaks during the season yeah like I'll take a week off here or there just to even if it's not like everybody thinks when I say I take a break like, you put a gun down for a week no maybe I just don't train for a week Yeah. I may go shoot shotguns or I may go shoot PCC. Mm-hmm. I'm not really training. Yeah. It's not. I'm You're not in that mindset. Taking that mental step back from what you've been focusing and focusing and focusing yeah. on, and just taking one step back. For me, it's racing. You know, if I can get behind the wheel of a car, even if it's just going for like a spirited drive, like I'm in. Mm-hmm. That takes me out of everything. Really, <laughs> it yeah. puts me in a different zone. Yeah, I and mean, when I take breaks off from shooting it's generally not to go driving (laughs) like you you know I'd spend more time focusing on like the gym or you know projects around the house or just something else to do to you know move the needle forward somewhere else other than shooting take a step back and when I go back to it I have a clear mind I have more focus I have more dedication to it because I like have a renewed love Mm because You know, like uh, you can't miss me if I don't go, if you don't leave. <laughs> I can't miss you if you don't leave, kind of a thing. Are you telling me to leave or what? I mean, I can't miss you if you're still here. No. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, must attend matches for next year. I'm gonna say the two gun practical match. Yeah. I kind of said it earlier. I think that one's kind of up there just because it's a new match, new format, kind of fun and. It goes back to the last question, right? It's a little bit of a break from the normal match. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have a set one that I want to do, um, but I really would like to shoot. Not and it, you know, you know, going to nationals is one thing, um, but I want to travel to another state, you know, Texas, you know, Nevada, somewhere to shoot a match somewhere totally different, just for the hell of it. You know, not a... a it's like we're a, going to the Dragon Cup. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking of the Dragon Cup. Um, and then I know there's usually, uh, like, after right after SHOT Show, there's usually a local in the Vegas area yeah. that a lot of the shooters go to, and I would love to go to that because a lot of the shooters that don't live in the Vegas area and they're just there for SHOT Show, they're staying extra days to go to this match. And something like that, I think, would be a lot of fun. Because you see them all at the show, but to actually go and shoot a match with people that you only see once a year at SHOT, or you only talk to online, and you're actually getting to meet them for the first time, and actually going to shoot a match with them, I think it would be really fun. So that's something I definitely want to do next year. I want to do at least one random, for no reason, not nationals, out-of-state match, just for fun. Um, what was your first competition gun? 
my first competition gun was a Clock 34 Gen 3. Which, I bought it used. Which is now my gun. True. Kind of. It's true. Because <laughs> you have my MP. Also true. Yeah, I bought this used uh, on consignment at the store. And it was a buddy's gun that he put on consignment. And to me, this was the bee's knees. Had a small little trigger job and it had a connector. It was polished. Uh, it had True Glow TFO sights, front and rear. Which at the moment was like all the rage. Right. It was <clears throat> It was cool. It had a weird beaver tail that you slipped on over the back and put a larger pin in. Mm-hmm. It had a magwell on it. Yeah, this was... It was super cool. This was the shit. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not super sentimental when it comes to a lot of things. Uh, I do not regret, or I do regret not keeping my first race car, even though I crashed it. Um, but I still have all of my original parts for that gun. Like, I and I had to modify that gun. As soon as I bought it, I started shooting and I had to modify it because it would not fit in the IDPA box for enhanced service pistol. Mm -hmm. So I had to trim the magwell down. I had to cut off the weird little fin thingies that were on the beaver tail. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that gun. I did my first trigger job on that gun. Yeah, it was... I do like that gun. I like that gun a lot, too. Even without all the bells and whistles, just with, like, the trigger job and... No, even, even with the beaver tail you had on it, I enjoyed shooting it with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't need it because, you know, my hands are small enough to where Glocks don't eat me. Um, but I mean, even with that, it was still, you know, it was still enjoyable to shoot, which is yeah. why I eventually shot it in USPSA. But my very first one was a Glock 19. Um, and I only shot one or two matches with it. Um, and that was Oak Park Sportsman's Club in 2016, I want to say. 15. Are you sure? Tail end of 15. It started in 16. Yeah, tail end of 15. Oh, yeah, duh, okay. The, okay. Um, so, oh yeah, because then we didn't, we didn't become USPSA members until the beginning of 2016. Yep. So, 2015, first match in the fall. Because the wit was the first, 16 wit was the first time. Yeah, because we had to have our USPSA memberships because it was a level two. Well, we thought it was. It's not. No. It's a one. Either way, memberships for everyone. You get a membership, and you get a membership. Um, so I shot my Glock 19 um, with a shitty Uncle Mike's holster. It was awful. Um, I feel your pain. I used a Phobos holster. Yeah, which then I ended up using. <laughs> um, two... Phobus double magazine pouches, <laughs> open top kydex on my belt. So I had, you know, four pouches. <laughs> I was using 17 mags and 19 mags, whatever I could get my hands on, just because you had all those full-size 17 rounders for the 34. I had a few for the 19. I had some 19s with some like, plus three extensions on them. I mean, it was a hodgepodge. It was a mess. 
but I had so much fun. Uh, 19 was my very first gun I ever bought. So at that point, it was the most realistic for me to use for competition because of the size and the caliber. I know, you know it wasn't like one of my little 380s or a revolver or a 1911 or a Glock 21. It was just like the only 9mm mid to full size handgun that I owned. So, yeah. Oh, I'm feeling all super mushy and stuff. Back in the day. Back in the day. <clears throat> Same person also asked, what was your first concealed carry gun? Well, my first small gun that would be concealed carry size is actually something I've only ever carried at the shop. Um, and it was, well, I, don't, I can't remember if it was the DB9 or the DB380 came first or the little Colt. Well, I wouldn't consider the Colt a concealed carry gun. Well, that's only like of that size. No, what gun? What was your first like legitimate gun you were going to conceal carry? Oh, it was a DB380. Stupid ass Diamondback. Yeah, Diamondback 380. That was probably the worst gun decision I've ever made. Finally admits it. So many problems with that gun. I had feeding issues. I had light primer strikes constantly, regardless of the brand of ammo I was using. I had it put in for repair twice to fix two separate problems, and I was eventually just done. Just done. I sold that, and I got my Ruger SP-101 revolver. And things have evolved quite a bit. <laughs> True. Uh, I now have an LCP 380 for my micro 380, which I only ever carry, I would say, like, less than 5% of the time. I only wear it if, like, there's no way to conceal Frankie. Um, my first... My first actual carry gun would have been the shield. Just a regular Gen 1 shield. Not your little revolver? So I had originally bought a Snubnose revolver, but this is before we had concealed carry in Illinois. Mm -hmm. I bought that for uh, an extra gun at the shop. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, honestly, I bought it because I, I would wear a shoulder holster a lot. Mm -hmm. And I would keep the revolver in my strong side pocket. I miss that gun. Yeah. I well, love that gun. I mean, I bought a... A 340 PD. No, I have an M&P 340. Oh. But that was its replacement, yeah. Yeah. One of the only guns I ever sold, and I really regret it. I do like that gun a lot. But, got a suitable replacement. Yeah. Uh, let's see. <laughs> hmm. With ammo the way it is, should I get into reloading now? Uh, no. Thanks for writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have... I had... I, there was a guy that came into my work, and he saw one pound of Hodgson Tight Group powder left on the shelf. And he goes... Should have bought it. Well, I mean... I don't care. Okay. <laughs> so he, he goes, oh, you guys have powder in stock. I said, yes, we do. 
do you need some? He goes, oh, yeah, that'd be great. What should I get? And I said, well, what are you, what kind of rounds are you reloading? Like, what caliber? You know, is it a rifle? Is it, you know, pistol? What are you reloading? He goes, um, probably handgun. I'm like, oh, do you, do you have like a press set up? He goes, no. I said, oh, did you, did you buy your press yet? He goes, no. I said, do you have primers for rifle or pistol? Or he goes, no. I'm like, <laughs> Um, so you're just buying powder? He goes, well, yeah, I gotta start somewhere. I'm like, oh, I mean, that that's that's true. And he goes, yeah, I've been looking everywhere for primers because I thought I'd start there, but I guess I'll just buy a bunch of powder. I'm like, oh, <laughs> my God, <laughs> you don't even have a press. You don't know what caliber you want to reload. Um, if you have a stock and you've started collecting primers and powder, now is a great time to get into reloading. If you don't have any of these components already and have to start from scratch, you are going to be investing a ton of money and time tracking all of this stuff down and paying an arm and a leg for it because it is at a premium right now. That is probably going to cost you just about as much to make the ammo as it is for you to just buy it off the dealer shelves. Yep. Without the headache. Yeah. Now is not the time. <laughs> That's going to be it, guys, for this episode. As always, thank you so much for contributing to the episode. We have a blast when you guys send us in questions and tomfoolery. We didn't get any CCCs this week, and and I'm, I'm, like, I'm like a fiend. I love the CCCs, so please, guys, send us those CCCs. Send them over to us in an email at pewtimepodcast at gmail.com. It's to our DMs on Instagram at Laugh and Load. Uh, or direct message us on Facebook, laugh and load. <sighs> Please, I need the CCCs. Keep sending them. <laughs> and yes, go crazy. Send us the most insane, ridiculous things. I had a guy send in requests for World War One machine guns. I mean, we just did dudes the other day. We did dudes. Oh yeah. We did dudes. Yep. <laughs> Tony authorized it. He let he he allowed me to play. <laughs> <laughs> but as always guys thank you so much for your support and we will talk to you next week bye guys